You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. I was listening to the old podcast, the McCovey Croncast, to listen to what we said during uh, Gabe Kapler's hiring. And uh, you weren't on that one, actually, Doug. <laughs> so, Sammy Higgins and I. But uh, it does—it did occur to me as I was listening through it and going through some old articles that he was hired right before we were all laid off by Vox. So I don't know. A lot of like the start of Kapler's era kind of was fuzzy to me. Anyway, Gabe Kapler is no longer the manager of the Giants. Let's just start there. We didn't do an emergency podcast on Friday because I, I'm roping you in, Doug. We're two old men. <laughs> yeah, Brian sent me a message on uh, on Twitter saying, "Do you want? Should we do an emergency podcast?" And I said, in classic form, "I'm tired." <laughs> and I, it, mine was like obligatory. I was like, "I guess yeah. we're doing an emergency podcast." I mean, I really reached out. I think it wasn't like immediate. It was like a couple of hours later, being like, "Oh yeah, we should probably." Right. We have a podcast about this subject. I guess maybe we should do one. And I was like, counterpoint, I'm going to go lie down in a dark room. The uh, the end of a long week, uh, Friday afternoon, not the best time to podcast for anyone curious. If this were our full-time job, yes, obviously we would have to do it. But I was like, no, I'm so tired. <laughs> Uh, so this gives us a little bit of time to regroup and think about it. The value proposition for this one is that you have two guys who have been thinking about this for a couple of days instead of just reaction. So I think we're going to have some different things to say than everything else people have said. Uh, we're recording this after the Giants uh, let the Dodgers win 100 games again. Just uh, <laughs> that happen. So 79 and look. They won one game in the series. That's one more than they won in the last game of the series in 2018 or 2019. Hey, that's the greatest result you could have hoped for. <laughs> so they're 79 and 83, a worse record than last year. And yes, you're right, Doug. As as the world turns, they, they still were able to salvage a game in the series, unlike recent history. Uh, the Giants and, still- by the way, I'm just going to get off top a little bit more. And they only lost the last game by a field goal instead of by more than a touchdown, which is also <laughs> tradition. I think 20, I don't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. I think they lost the last game to the Dodgers like 15 to nothing. Yeah. God, that was embarrassing. So that was the game where they got, they lost 15 to nothing. And then in Farhan Zaidi's introductory press conference, that was the game he saw. He's like, you know, as I was leaving the game, I stayed behind to watch Hunter Pence's farewell speech. And I was really touched by how everyone, you know, the community, the fans, they're they're really engaged with their team, even though, you know, their team got drubbed or whatever. And here we are five years later, and it's Brandon Crawford's farewell. <laughs> and it's like the same thing. The Dodgers get done mopping the floor with the Giants. Again, not as bad. So there is some progress in, fr- in five years, right? The Giants still are not in the same league as the Dodgers, but they're not several thousand light years apart anymore. Maybe only a couple thousand light years. So it's changing. But we're here to talk about Gabe Kapler, I guess, or at least his tenure. It's the first time in 38 years that the Giants has fired a manager. So that's worth mentioning, I think. That's a big deal. Doug, how did how do you or how did you feel about this decision? Any change in the last 48, 72 hours? I mean, it's, it's one of the things that 
before we get to the reason they did it, I mean, there's a lot of things that Kapler did right uh, that we should acknowledge because, you know, he was sure. very much in line with the San Francisco kind of values in a way that almost no one else in baseball is. Like literally no one else would have been very much in favor of, yeah, let's do those DEI programs. Let's hire Alyssa Nacken. Let's, let's talk about racial justice. Let's, let's kneel once. Um, I mean, Kapler doing that was a pretty big deal. And it's, it's pretty important that he was so outspoken about those kinds of social justice issues from, so from that kind of perspective, you know, we're going to miss him as much as, you know, let's say the next manager is Ron Wotus. I, I don't, think it will be but just hypothetically as much as people love Ron, Ron Wotus right that's not him you know he's not going to do that I I can't think of anyone else in baseball who will do any part of that um so I mean you're gonna miss that aspect of his personality but on the other hand <laughs> um when the team plays like shit in September the manager gets fired like that's just what happens this is a team that was a contending team Heading into September, they'd had a bad August. Um, they went 12 and 15. They didn't, they weren't very good in July either. I mean, it was mostly the second half, but in July they were 12 and 13. They were still in position for the playoffs in that third wild card spot, and they just tanked. And that's that's not the kind of thing you expect a clubhouse to rebound from without significant changes. And usually those changes mean the manager. I mean, that's just how it works. The players play like that for a full month. The manager gets fired. It does not matter if the players are not good enough, which is on Farhan and, and the front office. What matters is that they took their normal performance over the course of the season, even their performance, you know, in August. And they, and they got way worse right when they needed to not get worse. So you kind of understand it from that point that you just – you need somebody else in charge or else it might be the same thing again next year. Uh, yeah. I mean, the idea of like, well, he's managing a team that was given to him all that. I, there's a part of that. Like we, I want to talk about that later. Just hold the the franchise, the organization's culpability or a factor in all this. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of inescapable. Like what else is supposed to happen it, it, when this happened, when the team is this bad on the road, when on August 3rd, they still had a 75% playoff probability. When you're getting these press, all this press leak about, you know, the clubhouse isn't running smoothly. Oh, well, if they were just winning, you wouldn't hear so much about that. Yeah, but they weren't winning. Is, you know, Elliot Ramos being benched or being yo-yoed uh, some element of this? Is Patrick Bailey pinch hitting when he's gassed? You know, all these little things that we mentioned, the older, the old heads keep citing the Mark Mathias for Brandon Crawford pinch it. Like <laughs> there's all these little things where it's like, yeah, Mark Mathias is on the roster because of the front office. But, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like Gabe Kapler had some leeway in terms of a decision tree and, or in terms of pinch hitting and all that. And they, the organization likes to pinch it and Gabe Kapler agreed with that and thought that gave them the best chance to, um, to win. And so he had leeway to do that, what he wanted. So I, I mean, I want to save this for the, my far anxiety part of this conversation. I guess my feeling is like, yeah, I get why people want to provide him with some cover or like excuse away, say like, this is kind of unfair to him. But I think about these two things. He was not a popular hire to begin with. And managers are intentionally 
the first buffer between uh, the executive team and being fired themselves. And so if the team is not performing on the field, it's what Doug said. The manager has to go first. If you can avoid both of you being fired at the same time, you have to make that change. So on that surface, I'm like, I understand that they were supposed to make the playoffs this year. They were worse than they were last year. Who shouldn't like some heads should roll for that. Should it be Gabe Kapler? Sure. Why not? Now this creates all these other issues of like, wow, that whole coaching staff's going to probably be dismantled. Alyssa Nacken's going to go like, we don't know, like we don't know what degree of accountability or like responsibility people have. I will say like the more people you have in an organization, it does certainly create more of a culture of CYA than responsibility. <laughs> I think like the more people you have spreading out the workload, then it's hard to pinpoint like a, a couple of changes here or there. So it kind of almost begs you to do a cultural shift. And if you're doing that, the organization, you know, Pete Patel is in, that's an organizational shift. The front office has already made. You have a, a fresher voice there with player development now, maybe in the clubhouse, you need to make some change. I think it was a fair decision and it's it creates it's still somehow the right decision that creates a lot of questions and possibly more problems. Right. <laughs> um, Pretty classic yeah. 2023 Giants situation. <laughs> I, I remember a few years ago when I was still writing from McCovey Chronicles, there was something I cut from an article and I don't remember what article and it was a takeoff of an old joke, but it was the joke was like an old manager gets fired. And on his last day, the you know interim manager comes in or the new manager comes in. And he's like, do you have any advice for me? And he thinks, thinks the old guy's going to be mad. And the old guy says, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's part of the game. Here. So he gives him three envelopes, you know, one, two, and three. And he's like, so just when you have, when you have a crisis, open one of these envelopes. And that's, that's how you're going to get through it. So the guy's like, all right. So, uh, you know, they... He, so, you know, a few months later, the team, you know, had been playing okay, and they started to fall off a cliff. Opens the first uh, first envelope. It says, uh, call up some rookies. So, all right. So, you know, they call up some rookies, get some playing time. They stabilize for a little bit, fall off a cliff again. Opens the second envelope. Uh, re- reorganize the coaching staff. Well, all right. So, you know, they go with the coaches. He, you know, he says, this guy, reassigning this guy, firing this guy, getting bring this other guy up from the minors. Uh, and, and it works for a little while. And then uh, it doesn't work. And so he goes and looks at the last envelope and he opens it up and it says, write three envelopes. <laughs> yeah. Like there's only so many levers you can pull as a manager. Yeah. Hey, all you Golden State Warriors fans out there, you got to tune in to the Oakland Warriors podcast, the official dubs podcast of Fans First Sports Network. It's awesome. It's hosted by Patrick Epino and a rotating crew of guests who follow this franchise for decades, just like Doug and I have with the Giants. The show dives deep into all things Warriors, both on the court and off. Will the Dubs be legit contenders this year? Is Steve Kerr actually going to play Jonathan Kaminga enough to have a breakout year? Will the Chris Paul trade be a blessing or a curse? I'm very interested to know that myself. And most importantly, can Steph win another title or maybe two? The show takes an all-encompassing look at the greatest team in the NBA. No hot takes, no agendas, no bluster, and no goofy knee-jerk reactions. Just smart, insightful Warriors talk about the past, present, and future from one of the best in the business. Tune in and subscribe to the People's Podcast, the Oakland Warriors Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash Oakland Warriors. Let's go! 
it was probably time. I mean, I keep going back to like, no one was happy about this from the beginning. <laughs> it's just important. I guess he did win the manager of the year literally two seasons ago. It's, cool. it's, it's remarkable how fast things change, how far people fall so quickly. But we see this happen with players all the time. So I guess at the end of the day, it shouldn't be that upsetting or that big of a shock. It just creates all these separate issues. So I guess I was like not stunned the the way I didn't want to write about this, but like Burns ID's interview and KMBR, the clubhouse leaks, all that portended. That was a portent, portent of he's going to get canned. And, and that's what happened. Um, also, just rereading uh, John Middleton's comments, the Phillies owner. Because Matt Klintak was like, we're bringing him back. The, the president of baseball ops is like, he's coming back. And then Middleton overruled him, which yeah. led to Klintak coming out, uh, you know, eventually leaving. And it's like, I looked at two September collapses and I just couldn't like do it again. And then they go with Joe Girardi, which is like, you know, that didn't help them. But <laughs> but I, I will point this out, like in terms of if people want to like try to hold like the, the Giants actually got their shit together last September. They were 18 and eight last September. They had a great September to get back to 500. And then this year they were really good for like a month and a half. Some people want to say two months fine. And then I, I was thinking about some more Doug, like, Oh, he did it. Like Grant wrote about this. Grant wrote two great pieces about Gabe Kapler pre-firing post-firing. I thought this week in the athletic, no offense to you. Also great writing on giantsdoug.substack.com. Um, all offense to me who was doing content on McCoveyChronicles.com. Did my best. Uh, but he was looking at it in the before the firing article that like they weren't, um, you know, that there were some criticisms from fans that Kapler chewed up the bullpen, but Gabe or Grant couldn't find any evidence of that. And I will say this, like, I think that's largely true, but at the same time, it looked like the whole bullpen was gassed in about the last month or six weeks of the season. So like, on paper, maybe they weren't that used, but somehow the way that they did it still, they still wound up at the result that they were trying to avoid. That's what it looked like to me. Like the Giants best laid plans. Uh, the, what is it? The best laid plans of mice and men. It's like, it didn't work. It still didn't wind up working. And this year it looks like he had to do more platooning uh, than, than even last year. And it just didn't work out. Some details about the day. This is the next bit I want to get into. Um, Slusser had it first. Susan Slusser coming over from the A's beat onto the Giants beat. Uh, an irony looming, Doug, that it, Bob Melvin <laughs> could become the Giants manager. <laughs> uh, Slusser, t- Slusser tweeted at 2.10 p.m. The Giants then uh, made an announcement, I think, uh, 10 minutes later. So they didn't want that just hanging out there for very long. And when the Giants announced it on Twitter, it was it followed with a statement from Farah Zaidi. He said, after making this recommendation to ownership and receiving their approval, I met with Gabe today to inform, of, inform him of our decision. In his tenure as Giants manager, Gabe led our team through an unprecedented pandemic in 2020 and a franchise record 107 wins and a postseason berth in 2021. He has been dedicated and passionate in his efforts to improve the on-field performance of the San Francisco Giants, and I have tremendous respect for him as a colleague and friend. On behalf of the Giants organization, we wish Gabe the best of luck in his future endeavors and thank him for his contributions over the last four years. He then said in a press conference he had nothing negative to say about Gabe Kapler. Uh, I do want to focus just for a moment on the opening of that statement. After making this recommendation to ownership and receiving their approval, that's how it starts. <laughs> like, that's an odd way to start a, re- uh, a statement about your manager. Um, 
you know, Gabe Kapler, you know, it seems like the more formal way of doing it is like, uh, after much deliberation, we have decided to part ways with Gabe Kapler as manager of the San Francisco Giants. This decision did not come easy, but it came in consultation as a recommendation to ownership, which they approved. But by leading with that, it certainly seems to be telegraphing that Greg Johnson, despite two or three weeks ago, giving a firm commitment to both Zaidi and Kapler, who no one has ever denied in the four years that Gabe Kapler was a manager, that they work hand in hand, up to and including Farhan Zaidi afterwards in the press conference. There was no indication that they had there was any friction or that they were starting to differ or whatever. I think it's just like the the press, the that all that clubhouse stuff that came out on top of the results and obviously the, the old season ticket holders there um, like all that just came to a head and it, and it forced them to make some sort of a change. Is that like a completely outlandish read of the situation? No. I mean, I think, I don't think Farhan wanted to fire Kapler, um, but I think his hand was kind of forced. And I think probably ownership did take a look and say, well, what else is going to change? Um, because yeah, the season ticket holders are really unhappy with this team. Fans are really unhappy with this team. People are a lot more unhappy with this team than they were after uh, 2019, 2018. Like, worst seasons, probably not 2017. People were pretty pissed after 2017. Uh, you know, 20, 2013 was a bad year. Um, and it's. I think the fan base is a lot more up in arms than they ever were before. And so there really is a, sort of a a PR aspect to it that manage that, you know, ownership is going to look at a lot more carefully than the baseball operations side of things. Um, and that is at least fairly likely, I think part of what happened, part of why they had to make this move. And, but also when that clubhouse stuff starts coming out, that's kind of telegraphing it that, I mean, it feels like, you know, someone goes to a beat reporter and is like, hey, you should uh, you should ask Mikey Strensky about the clubhouse culture right now. And they're like, well, I should. I don't know. I didn't say anything. I, you know, so why? I did, I'm not. Why? I have no idea. Because, you know, as soon as there was one article on clubhouse culture, there were like eight articles on clubhouse culture. And that is never a good sign for the manager. That is a sign of them laying the groundwork immediately that, yeah, it's it's time for him. There, the press conference was interesting between the KMBR talk, which I think was the day before the interview with Tom Tolbert, uh, and then the next day with the press conference after the news had broke and after the statement from the team, Evan Webeck, it's actually Evan Webeck, so I've been saying it wrong. So anyway, uh, far inside, he said he informed Gabe Kapler he was fired in an hour-long discussion. Ultimately, he said, as far inside, he said, quote, we played our worst baseball when it mattered most. Unquote, which we said the Giants flunked their biggest test of the year, <laughs> which is the, you know, he said it actually better than us. We said it slightly more dramatically, but that was the best. That is like, to me, that is an unequivocal. It's been four years. And when it mattered most, we played our worst. Uh, that to me should be enough to, it's the fact that they're tied together. So, um, you know, philosophically, right. And obviously uh, far anxiety burning up, his, you know, his starting credits, his, you know, with with the press, with the fan base, by reaching, a, stepping across the aisle to bring in embattled Gabe Kapler 
into the organization, right? He th- that was the starting point for Farnsidey. You know, after one year, he's like, no Bumgarner, no Bochi. <laughs> And now Gabe Kepler's in. He's my guy. And it's like, okay, you're using a lot of credit on that. And of course, 2021 happens, even even 2020. Those two things happen and it kind of makes it look good. But after four years, we're at a point where it's like, okay, time to belly up. Like, let's see what they're made of. And they they fell apart here. Um, But the hour long meeting, I want to talk about this. Well, one of the things that I read from one of the savvy commenters on, I think it was McCovey Chronicles, someone pointed out, like, is it possible that Gabe Kapler, that Farnsidey went to Gabe or Gabe called the meeting because we know how Gabe can be. And there was just simply a discussion about the future. And maybe it was like, oh, we're going to part ways after the season or and Gabe maybe pushed back or asked the question, like, well, why wait if all you're going to because what Farnsidey says, we didn't want to answer, have Gabe Kapler answering questions about his future for the next three days. You know, we've got the Willie Mack Award. We've got Brandon Crawford saying goodbye. We're playing the Dodgers. Like, it just seems like it's too big of a distraction for the next three days. And and also, he's my friend and I just don't want him going through that. That all seems like it could go from one or the other. Gabe saying like, well, why are we waiting? Because maybe that conversation is like, look, we're going to let you go. We'll let you manage these three games if you want. And Gabe's like, well, you know, was it, I guess what I was saying is, do you think there's a possibility that Gabe was basically saying like, well, if you're going to do it, let's just do it now. And talking Zaidi into doing that, uh, as opposed to Gabe Ka- or Zaidi explaining to him why they were doing that. I mean, it's, it's possible. I would imagine though that, you know, we've all seen lame duck managers in their last like few games. Um, and it kind of sucks for everyone. I mean, you know, Farhan, I think, likes Kapler a lot, personally. Um, and he, you don't want to see someone go through that. And it's also, it would be kind of a distraction. Like, it, it people in sports talk about distractions all the time, and it's so annoying. Um, well, we, we can't sign Colin Kaepernick. He'll be a distraction. Uh, but I think in this case, it... It would be, especially if a rumor started to get out, because rumors do always get out um, that Kapler is going to be gone. You know, like you said, you have the Willie Mack Award, you have Brandon Crawford's last team. You don't want that overshadowed by uh, the manager who's about to be fired, never knows he's about to be fired, and you know, by 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 getting rid of him before the start of the Dodgers series, it really wasn't a distraction. Like we all talked about it. Uh, it, it was what it was. And the team went on and played exactly the same quality of baseball that they had for all of September. Um, so, so in a way that argues that it wasn't Kepler's fault, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, to, to take away from those moments with this outside speculation, I think they wouldn't want to do that. My guess would be, you know, they, they talked about, you know, probably Farhan went in there was, pretty direct um they talked about where things went wrong they talked about the organ the state of the organization you know it's it's kind of a bummer to get fired like it was Farron was probably had a whole list of like great things that Kapler had done they were really happy he'd done um you know not to say he wants to like pump up his friend but he does want to sort of emphasize that it wasn't an entirely negative tenure right like the the turnaround even before 2021, the turnaround in how the team felt from 2019 to 2020 was pretty big. 
even though that 2020 team missed the playoffs, uh, missed the fake 18 playoffs by, by like a tiebreaker. Um, they were still basically a 500 team uh, that also employed Sam Coonrod. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously 2021 was a great year. 2022 was, you know, mediocre, but not as bad as it should have been. And a lot of that was due to the manager. But at some point, if you're not taking the next step, you just have to kind of get rid of the guy you have and try to find someone who's going to take that next step. And if it doesn't happen in 2024, then the next guy they're going to get rid of will be Farhan Zaidi. 100%. I I guess we should talk about him next, and it's kind of unavoidable, I feel like. I, I saved that for the last segment, but I think we should just do it now. I mean, this is a lame duck year now that he's entering. Um, I feel like every bit of news this offseason – who's in the coaching, the managerial pool, what staff they keep, who they lose. We've already seen some people leaving the organization, uh, you know, who they get, who they fail to get. I feel like every bit of news is going to be a referendum on him. Like it's now all on him. And my feelings on, on, on all this are, I was not happy, a fan of the Gabe Kapler hire, I'm glad it worked out for the two years that it did, but I also think it just goes to show that the two years where it really worked out, which I'm going to say were 2020 and 2021, but I'm going to put a caveat of like, you know, a hot September in 2022. What was the common thread through all the three of those seasons? They had good players there, you know, (laughs) not to take away, you know, not to say like Evan Longoria is some great player, but like, he was part of what happened last year. He, you know, Brandon Crawford coming back and having a nice couple weeks. That was part of it. Like, so they had like some actual talent to play. You know, Jock Peterson played great last year. Yeah, he's like again, he's playing fine this year. We have to get we have to look at the numbers. <laughs> it's like he's such a bummer this year. But the point is, like, the Giants actually had good performances even last year that even let them get to 81 and 81. 2021, we know. 2020, we saw. You know, Mauricio Dubon making him into a center fielder. Who saw that coming? You know, there, there, like you said, there are plenty of things that you can take in, uh, you know, assign to Gabe, assign to the front office mechanism, their algorithm, however you want to insult them or praise them. Like their system, it works. I guess there's part of me like I'm fine with losing Gabe. If I'm if I'm looking at this from what Farhan Zaidi has done, and I I kind of joked about this, he kind of realized he can't have two versions of himself existing. Doug, he's platooning himself. (laughs) He's creating a platoon situation in the clubhouse. He's like, I need someone who can handle the other side of this, that my system over here isn't working uh, for. I guess what I'm saying is like, I, it's tough to be a lame duck. I hope he hasn't given up. I do also think about this. I always go back to this quote because I'm now insane. But that 10-year-old quote of like, you know, given sound sabermetric principles, you can always have a 75-win team. That's, you know, $50 million payroll, whatever million dollar payroll. And I would like to think that what qualifies as sound sabermetric principles has evolved over the last decade because that just makes sense. But I hear his comments about like, I need to make some changes or things need to change now. That could be something that he was told to say or assigned to say by Greg Johnson, by you know the ownership. So he doesn't want to lose his job, right? That that's what yeah. that means. He's like, well, it's it's either him or me, and I'm staying. So it seems like he would be committed to putting together a good team this year. And I guess what I'm saying is, is he going to be able to get out of his own way 
uh, to do that because he's going to have to do something. This is what you talked about last week. He hasn't gotten the players. He's going to have to do something to get the players. So what's interesting to me is going into 2020, like, and in 2021, there was some creativity in, in the players he acquired, right? Like, he didn't just sign Kevin Gosman as a reclamation project. He didn't just sign Carlos Radon because they could get him immediately. Um, but he, he also pulled Darren Ruff back from Korea, which worked great for two years. Like, Darren Ruff was a really good hitter. They got him for nothing. They, you know, the way they looked for guys in trades, those, like, minor trades that got them, Mike Yastrzemski, Lamont Wade Jr., I I just didn't see that kind of creativity this year in, in acquiring players. And it's one of the things that I was kind of critical of after 2021. And, you know, after 2021, you have to give them a lot of credit and be like, well, I mean, they're smarter than me and I know what they're doing. But when he was like, yeah, we're just going to run it back. And I was like, well, that's not a good idea. Like th- this team's only going to get worse. You have to change things. Like you keep the core around, but then you kind of change around the edges but bringing back Alex Wood and Anthony DiScofani, I thought were both pretty bad ideas. But they did it because it feels like like the or like the Giants' way is yeah. I mean, these guys had good years. We had a great team. We're just bringing them all back. See what happens. So I mean, kind of you bring in a Farhan Zaidi, an innovative, smart baseball thinker, because in order to not do that, so what happened to that? You know, what happened to that guy who sees things that other people don't? who understands how things are going to go when other people don't. If he's not that guy for next year, then then he's not going to be around in 2025. And um, I think I think being a lame duck, running scared that has the potential, I don't know, when I'm tired or stressed, I'm far less creative. And I don't think that that's like a unique, that's unique to me. That's part of the human experience. Yeah, um, exactly. Although I'll say, I do write all of my newsletters when I'm tired. So... <laughs> But not scared. Not scared. <laughs> so well, if scared, you, scared, I'm not going to get enough sleep. <laughs> well, if you've listened this far, and I really am thankful for anyone listening this far, I think this is the value proposition as well, that it's been danced around by some other sources, but I think we need to just kind of, I really think this is it. I am a firm believer that every organization, whatever the tone and tenor, the culture, how the, no, the bottom of the ladder, the top of the ladder, how everything feels, it starts at the top. People want to say that the the top is far anxiety, but that's not the case. The top is the ownership group was Larry Bear, now Greg Johnson, representing his dad, but also the shareholders. And I would say that Greg Johnson, it I we're kind of dancing around like it's un almost certainly his call that Zaidi was that uh Zaidi had to fire Kapler. And if that's the case, we are now clearly in like rich kid jerking around from feeling to feeling emotion to motion situation, in which case all bets are off on the future of this franchise. Now you don't like me disparaging rich people. Fine. How about this? The giants have a middle of the pack payroll and that's not going up. It's going to stay under 200 million in real dollars. It's not going up. Um, other sources have pointed out that every team got $30 million this year as a um, payoff for selling off, the rest of their share for ML BAM or their streaming platform to Disney. Disney had an option this year to buy up the rest of it. Another terrible, terrible move by the baseball (laughs) to uh, revolutionize streaming video on the internet and then just sell it off, strip it for parts. But the, the bottom line is that every team got a $30 million final payment. 
What did the Giants do? Credit to them, I guess. They reinvested that back into their payroll. So versus last year, their payroll went up $30 million. Well, guess what? They have a lot of money coming off the books, but their payroll is probably going to be around the 160, 170 range. So they're they're not getting support. Far Anxiety's baseball ops department not getting the support from ownership to make the moves they want. I think there's a version where they're giving Cody Bellinger a ridiculous one-year offer just to get him, along with Michael Conforto and Mitch Haniger and the the three other guys they got after missing out on judge and after missing out on, or they're going after Dansby Swanson. You know what I mean? Like there was something, there is a version where the giants spent even more money this past off season, but instead for anxiety had to look at balance the risks of tying up payroll commitments, knowing the payroll is going to be this number going forward. You know, the reason if you look at it, they signed a bunch of opt outs after one year because that 30 million that they got this year is not going to follow them into next year. So you had to give yourself some some wiggle room of like, okay, if it doesn't work out with one of these guys, maybe it will. With some of these guys, they'll opt out, whatever. It's like it'll all balance out plus all this other money coming off the books. If you look at their books, that's what it's designed for. And so what he has to now do is figure out how to even change, like what are sound sabermetric principles at this point? It seems like it, they got really obsessed with swing decisions. Is there and and is there anything else that they could look at as like well we've got to start making some choices with even that if we're going to be more entertaining? I mean, uh, yeah, they should be looking at other things. I, just going back to Mark Mathias for a second, I like he can make all the great swing decisions that he wants. He can't hit the ball two hundred feet. Like, what were they doing? You know, ever calling him up? It's one of those things that they. They're very, they're very, very focused on one thing, but a baseball player is an entire package. And so like, that's, to me, that's sort of a defining failure, um, which is that, like, I don't care that much that Mark Mathias pinch it for Brandon Crawford one time. I care that Mark Mathias was on the roster when he doesn't have enough strength to be on a major league roster, which really clear, like if you watched him play was really clearly the case. Um, so, and to me, that speaks of a thinking of there's only one thing we care about swing decisions, everything else, you know, what it'll come through in time. It won't. Um, well, we fired all of our scouts. So we don't know what these guys look like. We just have to look like, look at the paper or the, the... yeah. (laughs) Fan graph says, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) That's what they spend all the money on is Ram so that they can have multiple (laughs) fan graphs tabs open without crashing the computer. (laughs) You need a lot of Ram these days. So you really do. (laughs) Um, and so I think they do need to bring in, you know, having a manager who would look at Mark Mathias and be like, what? No. What are you doing? No, I have more comments and they're all no. Um, (laughs) like, I think that would bring a lot of value when Gabe Kapler, I don't mean this is like entirely a criticism of him personally. I mean, this is a criticism of the way the organization operated. They were too much in lockstep. Where he's like, great swing decisions. Let's do it. I love it. You know. Yeah, that's what and, I'm saying. It's like yeah. he's platooning himself. He's platooning. Yeah. Himself. <laughs> I mean, that's if you're looking at it like, well, what marginal gain? What move at the margin can I make 
to potentially improve this team. This is the the element I was saving also for the end. So the value judgment listener is two things. I'm very firmly convinced that unless the Giants up their real dollar payroll, if you look at their tax number, their tax number is what's dancing towards the CBT, which is concerning. But their real cash value is under $200 million. They've got to spend at least $200 million on payroll next year. If they're going to get the quality of platoon guys that they want, I want to put a pin in that for a second. But the other part of this was the other value proposition for here. Gabe Kapler, Doug, what you're saying, he was supposed to be the extra 2% in the clubhouse, right? How many times do we hear, oh, if the Giants could just get enough quality prospects then they can finish their development at the major league level. And all credit to Gabe Kapler before the hiring. You look at even in Philadelphia, you look at his time with the Dodgers. Yes, he covered up some crimes. But so did all the Dodgers. Uh, the point is, like a lot of players that he played with, that he that played for him, they had a lot of positive things to say about how he approached them. Even Giants, Posey, Belt, Crawford, like they all give credit to him for helping them with their 2021 seasons and getting used to this whole thing. He was a development guy in LA, uh, not maybe not the hype, but he was one of the cogs in that machine that turned them into a development force, right? Like he was, he was in there, and so the fact that the Giants, you know, had a good six week run and maybe Patrick Bailey coming out hot, but the the prospects kind of withered on the vine as the season went on. I think that's a legitimate criticism to argue too that even though it wasn't that much time, you were still banking on in year four. You've got Gabe. Like he can help you finish that development. He could help Farhan Zaidi finish the job. Like that's why he hi- another reason why he hired him and it didn't happen. So I think like that's a part of this. So now maybe the direction is like, well, now I'm not going to count on a guy to finish development here. I'm going to fin- uh, find a guy who can just manage a team like really solidly. When, when the going gets tough, he could actually step up and do something to change the culture a little bit or just right the ship when things are going astray. I, th- I think that's that's fair, and I think that's what they need. That they need someone with that specific like managerial experience of getting getting a team back on track. And you know, we we don't know from the outside how much a manager, what a manager does, do that, how much they do, how much they're part of it. But if a person has that job, uh, you have to assume that they're useful, basically. So you need someone who will hopefully have that skill set. But also, there is no evidence that Gabe Kepler was ever different. Yeah. So when things are going well and when things are going poorly, that he ever changed. And I think that there is actually a lot of, for being in a management position, a baseball team with all those different personalities, like Alex Wood, come on. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) dealing with these people day in and day out, like the fact that I, he wasn't tearing into him. You know, the fact that he didn't change his tune, there is a benefit to that. There's no question. But when things got as bad as they did and there still wasn't any change, I think that was that's a good time to be like, OK, we've reached the end of the useful life of this way of dealing with the team. We've seen the the pluses and minuses of that. And I think we need a little bit more on the plus side for that. I think that's worth it. Now I got to talk about does that mean Bob Melvin makes sense? He lost the clubhouse in San Diego two years in a row. Why would he be a good fit? That's in, you know what I mean? Like that's nuts to me that Bob Melvin's name immediately got floated out right after like Gabe Kapler fired in part because he kind of lost the clubhouse a little bit. And it's like, but the industry sources are already saying Bob Melvin, if he gets let go in San Diego, 
that that's not that's the exact problem. Maybe worse. He had a way more talented roster. Are people nuts? <laughs> right, right. Like, hey, what if you took the Giants and took away all the talent? Oh no, sir. What if you took the Padres, took away all the talent, and they still finished higher? Which of those manners did a better job? Like, it's so unequivocal. Like, obviously, like Bob Melvin did not do well there. Is not. I, I don't know. He's not fired yet as of this recording. So, is not doing well there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a crazy idea. People are saying Joe Madden. Joe Madden had the two best players in the game in Los Angeles in, with the Angels. Didn't didn't get it done. No, pass. We don't need people who have failed like this. There's like a weird clash going on. On the one hand, I see there's no issue to me that they fired their manager after how the last two months of the season went down. That makes sense to me. What's bothering me is it's like they did kind of the fine, like a fine or right thing for maybe the wrong reasons. John Shea being the voice of the white haired, the silver haired fan base, which obviously pays the Giants bills. So that's not as much of a criticism so much as like, but they're all their ideas on baseball are sclerotic at this point. They're just so like old fashioned. Did you hear his, did you hear the press conference at all that got played on KBR, but you might've been working. I listened to it. And it's like John Shea's like, he was like shaking to platoons, platoons, platoons. And it's like the big thing with the elderly fans is like platoons. Oh, they're platooning again. Oh, platoons. It's kind of sad. It's kind of shitty that it's like we're being, it's kind of like our federal government, like where our country's in a station wagon being driven off a cliff. We can't stop them. But it's like platoons have, like you can just lay out all the numbers. Platoons worked for a long time. And it's like, it. I get it that it bothers people that it does. It actually bothers me too. But at the same time, it's like, what happened that these players stopped being good? Were they never good? That's a good thing to investigate. Where, you know, do they just need, like, you know, when the season gets late and everyone gets tired, they need a different sort of motivation. That's what this new manager search is going to find out. But what I guess what I'm getting at is like, is Far Anxiety going to get pushed so far off the ball just to keep his job that he's going to, you know what I mean? Like actually make the team worse because if like the fans are running things, you've it's there's no hand on the wheel. It's a, the, the organization is in free fall. I'm a fan. You're a fan. We should not be running things. <laughs> so, our, our complaints should be heard in this way. People are complaining. The, the volume, the specifics of it, uh, maybe the volume is all that matters, but the but the actual lyrics, the uh, the the sound of the what they're saying, it doesn't matter. Like Farhan Zaidi should just look at like my team is doing worse than it was the year before. Why is this? You know, we've got this stuff about the clubhouse that makes sense to change some things there. But like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't focus on swing decisions so much. Is not quite the same same thing as Buster Posey should be the next manager, if not Bob Melvin. That's nuts. What are people doing? Think about this. <laughs> oh, you can't. You're fans. We're fans. We're going to say the most emotional thing, reckless thing that we can say. I, I think, like, d- does it matter to you who the next manager is? Or, like, who would you want to see, Doug? I So I just looked through, like, a list of people who are managerial candidates. And, like, I'm seeing a bunch of guys, like, I mean, I don't know. It'd be fine, I guess. I don't Like, there's no way to tell. I'm sorry. There's just no way to tell if Stephen Vogt would be a good manager or not. I I don't know, you know? And I can have a strong opinion, I guess. I could just decide, you know who I want. I want I want Will Venable. People have been talking about Will Venable. 
He is he is Bruce Bochy's associate manager in Texas right now. I want is him. Max was a former giant. <laughs> Kuk and Kipe will say Max and Molly's kids a minimum of Max and Molly's kid a minimum of four times a game. It'll be great. Um, but there's there's no way to know who these guys are, how they do things. Like sure, Benji Gill. Yeah, he did a great job coaching Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic this year. Does that mean he could stand up to 162 game season? I don't know. Uh, it's just it's one of those things that you know you need to kind of hear. The only thing I kind of want to see from a manager is someone who will push back on Farhan, um, someone who will not be in lockstep with him, and not in like a an adversarial like apparently Bob Melvin AJ Feller way, but just yes. in a way that like you're trying, you need to work together. You need different ideas. You need to think differently or else you will not get, you will, you will both be in the same box and you need to have different, you need to be, have a bigger box with more ideas so you can get better ones. So there's a saying, uh, art thrives on restriction. You know, if you have unlimited budgets or you have no concerns, you know, that's not as good as being like, you have a limited budget and you have a deadline or... What are you, you know, talking you're... about? People love Doctor Strange in the yeah. Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> I think friction brings out the best of us. That's not the same of desperation. So there are, you know, I don't think an artist in poverty is necessarily a better artist than someone who's not. My point is, is like friction, some sort of conflict or tension can be very helpful, can help you learn and grow and change. And maybe... Zaidi and Kappa being friends, you know, they yeah, there just wasn't enough friction there. I, I don't, I'm with you. I don't want to see someone who's adversarial unless it's kayfabe. <laughs> I, like unless he is doing like a, like a wrestling, like it's, they, they don't believe in you. <laughs> like kind of thing against the, it's a lame duck thing. Uh, I think that's, it, it is what it has to be some version of that. I think, you know, the idea is that when you fire a manager, the next guy has to be completely different from, from the guy before. So like San Diego, Jace Tingler, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, let's get Bob Melvin in here. The exact opposite. But that's like such a stark one. Like Jace Tingler had never managed anything and was dumb. And Bob Melvin's <laughs> managed a lot and maybe is kind of, you know, bad now. I don't know, but you know, not having control of an all-star clubhouse. That's a tough, that's a tough beat. I don't, I count that as a big demerit on the clubhouse there. It's not like the Bochi situation in San Diego at all. Uh, him leaving out the door and plus why would the Padres fire him or give him permission you know what I mean like to go with the Giants like it just I don't know it's just weird and Buster Posey why would Buster Posey want to manage he's a billionaire oh he's he's moving back to the city to be close to the team like yeah but then he'll be gone for half the year why would he do he could you know what I mean like his family could live anywhere if he were to manage the Giants but he's he's moving back to be closer my my nervousness about him being part of the search Doug it just goes back to what was he? zero for twelve on the free agent wooing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not, it did not go well. Buster Posey, the stay in your lane. <laughs> like, like maybe you have a great sense of what it's like to be a catcher on the field, and like if you're just going to be in San Francisco and you're going to be like, I'm going to teach Patrick Bailey everything I know. Great, sign me up. <laughs> uh, one thing I do like about the Giants, I will say about this current team, and maybe Kapler uh, furnished this. You know, Alex Cobb and is like a mentor to Logan Webb. And as we saw with the Willie Mack Award, Wilmer Flores is a mentor to Thyro Estrada. And I really appreciate that they 
that they have that. Like Wilmer Flores is a great player. Mentoring Thyro Estrada is great. Alex Cobb is a great player. Mentoring Logan Webb, that's great. And both of those younger players really look up to those guys. And I'm sure the Giants are basically like, oh, we find the old version of the skill set we think helps the team win. And we find the young version of it. And then look, personality wise, they can like teach each other. You know how like when eighth graders buddy up with kindergartners and great school, it can all work out and, and we can create some harmony there. But all I do know is that fans should not be driving this. I mean, all I know is that Gabe Kapler probably talked about protein too much. <laughs> I think if I have to give this, if I have to attribute one cause, I think that's probably it. And, you know, like we're seeing with the prospects and with all things in baseball, there are certain people that have certain ceilings and Gabe Kapler might it's like he didn't get the players. So is this really fair to hold against him? Yeah. Why not? He didn't make anything more than what he was given. That seems to me to be maybe not 50% of a manager's job, but it seems like it's in the job description. Can you, can you make Grant said another great thing in his piece? Like you knew that Gabe Kapler was the manager of the giants every night. Yes. Almost every inning of every game. And so you knew that, but then did you like him? Did you have a feel like you had a relationship with him? Bochi, to his credit, whenever you felt like he was managing, he had like a personality that you could like goof on or goof with. He'd joke with you. And Gabe Kapler very polished. It was very that wasn't there. So it was very, very professional. But then also it's like, OK, man, this is your team. You know, you're making all these decisions. And then are these decisions working? No. Like that's, I think it's fair for everyone to arrive to that, at that conclusion. Like the team does take on the man, the personality of its manager and the personality of the giants was such that people were like, I don't want to pay for this. And I want to watch this anymore. It seems like a good time to make changes. I really hope the front office takes some of that to heart. And I think it's stupid that they would say heart would be an irrelevant thing to consider. <laughs> <laughs> which maybe they don't, maybe they do. I, uh, I've never met a human being like Farhan Zaidi before, just based on his public comments. Like I've never met someone with a public persona like him. Like I've met people like Gabe Kapler before, like in my real life and had professional relationships with or dealt with, or, you know, like I understand where he's coming from. I get him, but Zaidi, I'm, I'm having a tougher reader, tougher read on. Like, I can't tell. I think he's a killer. So I can't tell if his public aw shucks charm, how much of that is an affect, how much of that is you know, real. You know what I mean? Do you remember that Ronald Reagan sketch on SNL? When yeah, Phil Hartman exactly. played Ronald Jelly Reagan. beans and the Girl yes. Scouts, yeah. Yes. And then as soon as the door is closed, like, all right, this is what I want to do. We're on a Yeah. <laughs> and I think just based on you know some of the moves that, that Zaidi makes, he's got a killer instinct. He's like, no, nah, I'm not going to go with Gossman because I'm not signing a pitcher to a five-year deal. You know what I mean? Also, but now that we are deep enough into his tenure, there's a good chance that that's, that was more ownership driven than we thought. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously they were like after Cueto, but after Cueto and Samarja, they're like, no way. And then we get Logan Webb, like a month into the season. That doesn't see, you know what I mean? Like, it just seems like, I mean, it's possible, but because that's been such a consistent theme of Farhan wherever he's gone, like you can make an excuse when it's just Oakland because they're a bunch of cheap, but like, you know, he gets to LA and they still don't give out long contracts and then he gets the, the, you know, gets the giants and they don't give out long contracts. 
And at some point you're like, well, I mean, there's a common denominator here. I mean, it also <laughs> could be that he, you know, he said in his interview, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable giving out long contracts to guys. And ownership was like, hey, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a mandate that from them to him. I do think it accords with his personal philosophy a lot. Um, That's fair. And, That's fair. And, but and that is something that he's already talked about changing. Um, well, so, so then, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's just leads me in my next talking point. But about position players, this is the part that also fans need to internalize. So I really do think that the ownership is putting a, a salary cap, a limitation on what the baseball ops budget can be, which is, you know, the, the major league payroll plus all the development stuff, what they're paying for the farm system and all that stuff. That's a budget he has to manage. And that's not an insignificant number. He is handling a multi, you know, hundred, you know, 200, 300 million dollar a year budget. That's not nothing. And he, so he has to be a steward of their money. He still has to factor in that players don't want to hit in San Francisco for 81 games a year. That's kind of a thing that people think can be overridden with the right amount of folksy charm. But if Buster Posey couldn't do it and Brian Sabian couldn't do it and Bobby Evans couldn't do it and Larry Bear couldn't do it and um, uh, Peter McGowan could do it. But that was a once in a lifetime. (laughs) thing i think you know what i mean like uh, sabian could get carlos beltran by trading for him maybe that's what people are saying like well given all that then he's got to figure out a way to make a big trade and so maybe that's the the lesson that baron's idea has to learn i didn't make that big trade in my five years yeah no i think it's entirely possible he has to get that talent hitting talent specifically into the organization so at some point it's just do what you have to do um and like you don't want that to mean goodbye, Kyle Harrison. But it if that's the only way to get a young hitter who can, you know, who can make an impact, which is something they desperately need, then you do have to consider it. Uh, we'll be talking about it off and on during the offseason. On Thursday is going to be our season finale, though. We're going to do a season wrap up and the final bullpen trust power rankings. <laughs> Again, I'm still heartbroken. I'm crestfallen. <laughs> uh, Doug, you're going to be writing about the Giants this offseason? I will. You can find me at giantsdoug.substack.com. Uh, I write Tuesdays and Thursdays. Come check it out. I'm not going to stop just because it's the offseason uh, because I'm stupid. Brian, <laughs> where can people find you? McCoveyChronicles.com today. And this morning I posted who most deserves this Giants season ranked. And I encourage everyone to check it out because I think it turned out all right. <laughs> I think people should read it and then comment on it. And not the same as uh, whose fault is it. Just want everyone to right. be clear. Like who had, who had it coming? Yeah. yeah. If I rub my cat's belly too long, my hand's coming back a stump. And I'll be like, <laughs> I deserve that. So yeah. it's that it's in that spirit. Check out fansfirstsports.com for all the other podcasts. Now that there's football season going on and NBA is right around the corner, check out those podcasts. Oakland Warriors podcast I referenced earlier in the show did that promo. 49ers have a podcast. And check out at fansfirstsn on Twitter and at Giants Croncast on Twitter. I guess I'll be tweeting from there during the offseason some more as well. So until Thursday when we'll be back with an all-new episode. Go Giants!